reading today comes from Mark 9, verses 26 through 29. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, This kind can come out only by prayer. Thank you, Rod, and thank you, Allie, for for leading us in in worship this morning. And today we're going to continue our series uh, through the Gospel of Mark. We're in Mark chapter 9 this morning. And so guess what chapter we'll be in next week? Mark chapter 10. Very good. So if you would like to read ahead and, and take a look through Mark chapter 10, um, and you have questions when you came in next week, we'd, I'd love to hear from you. You can always text those to me uh, before the message starts, and we can get into some of those. But today, this is the part where I tell a really bad joke at the beginning of the message, and you guys decide whether or not you're going to laugh at it, okay? All right. So I thought this one was pretty good, okay? And this was encouraging, if nothing else, all right? Um, so there's a, his family, this guy went to Texas Roadhouse the other day, all right? And he's sitting there, and, and as he's sitting down, he keeps hearing, he's, he just keeps hearing all of these compliments. He just, and, and it's a really noisy place if you've ever been there and hear a lot of people talking all around him. And uh, he gets, he's starting to, just to get encouraged, and, he, and then the waitress comes up, and he says, I, do you hear that? She says, what? She says, she says, I hear a lot of people, I hear a lot of noise here, but I also hear a lot of people, it sounds like a lot of people are encouraging me complimenting me. I was like, I don't understand what's going on. She said, oh, sir, I'm sure it's the peanuts. I said, the peanuts? What do you mean it's the peanuts? He said, they're complimentary. <laughs> All right. We got 75%, 75% response. Pretty good joke. We'll roll with that one next time. Well, now that we've, uh, we've talked about uh, encouraging, we're going to get to some of this here by the end of this message. But I um, you know, I, I got to say, I, I love doing series like this. I think I was telling Chris this the other day when we just go through chapters because we, we have to we have to take a text. And we're not pulling from different uh, different texts in the Bible. We're just allowing one text to speak to us. And today I won't even have any other scriptures up on the screen today. Everything we're going to talk about is going to be right there in Mark chapter nine. And so I'm going to hit this latter part of Mark uh, 14. Um, through 29, I'm going to pick up, I am going to read a little bit more than what Rod did, just so you can understand the full context. And so before we, we open up the Word of God, and again, I hope you got your Bibles out, whether it's electronic Bible or, or text Bible, okay? I'd love for you to see these things for yourself in Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. So let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for the privilege to open up your word And allow the living God to speak to us. And in just that, we're reminded this isn't just a word for entertainment. This isn't just a word for for spectators. It is a word for participants. That, Lord, you are ready to speak to us. if, If our hearts will be ready and we will be ready, Lord, to listen and, more importantly, respond. And so now, Lord, we thank you for your word. And may your spirit speak to us in these moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Mark chapter 9, I'm going to pick up at verse 14. Verse 14, Mark chapter 9 and verse 14. It says, when they came to the other disciples, they is referring to James, uh, Peter, and John, as well as 
Jesus kind of trailing behind. I'll tell you where they just came from here in a minute. But it says they came to the other disciples. They saw a large crowd around them. And the teachers of the law, also called the scribes, as you'll see in this message, the teachers of the law arguing with them. And as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit and, is, and it has robbed him of his speech. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground and he foams at the mouth and gnashes at his teeth and he becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. And here's what Jesus says. He says, Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him, and when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, It has often thrown him into the fire and water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help him. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for him who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed in him violently and came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. And after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Now, I don't know uh, if that text rings a, a bell to you, uh, if, if it's ever a passage that you've ever read before, ever wondered about. It is a passage that is common uh, in all the synoptic gospels. The synoptic gospels, again, are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Remember, as we shared, as we go through the series, Mark was believed to be the first of all of these synoptic gospels. And so, and in, in what's taking place in each one of these synoptics, which, what's happening here, is that James, uh, James, Peter, and John had just seen Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. So they just have this heavenly moment, you know, where God speaks to him, basically saying, this is my son. You know, this is, believe in him. I'm, you could look in the text before is exactly what it, what it says there. But there's, they just come off of the Mount of Transfiguration. They just have this heavenly moment and they roll up on the scene with the rest of the disciples. And they find they just had a private moment. And they walk upon what I'm going to call today. They walk upon what's called public theater. All right. Now, here's what, what I want to get at here today. Okay. We want to talk about this idea of what is going on here. A lot of my fr- this is a, a, a passage that we often talked about a lot in my charismatic Bible school and, and you know, with when we're talking about things of the Holy Spirit and, and demons being cast out and stuff, what does this mean, that this kind only comes out by prayer? And Matthew's version says this kind can only come out with prayer and fasting. And Luke's doesn't have this. So there's a lot of, whether it's debate or just curiosity about what is even going on in this text, what does Jesus mean when this kind can only come out by prayer? And so 
a lot of it has to do with the setting that is, that, is, that is set up right here. And what the disciples are doing is they walk on to what this public theater. Now, let me explain. You guys understand that there's a lot of things that were never intended to be theater in our culture today that are becoming theater, right? People have reality shows that are pretending to be reality shows that it's supposed to be like reality, but it's not reality at all. It's 100% theater. Okay, my wife's not here, so there's this one show she loves to watch. But I, I'm a nice guy, and I love God, but I want to break stuff when this show is on. It's called uh, Grizzly Knows Best, I think is what it's called. I just want to hurt things. I just want to break things when I see this show because that's exactly what it is. It's not reality. There is nothing real about that. That is a 100% stage show that they try to make it look like reality. But they got producers writing episodes and what's going to transpire in this and what they're going to eat for breakfast all the way down. It's all, it's all a theater. Now, you would hope our government would never become like that, right? But you've ever seen anybody subpoenaed before? And they're supposed to, the congressmen are supposed to be asking people questions, but these days they rarely even have any questions to ask anymore. They just can't wait to get that microphone in front of their mouth and just start get, saying a bunch of things so everybody else can listen and they can, they can be on TV and, and everybody else can see them and they can re- feel like they're representing their constituents and there is a theater taking place. We even see some of this with, because we see so much of this in our culture t- today that I get kind of, conf- I get a little torn sometimes when I see some of the news, even the news were even being reported about what's taking place in Ukraine. I'm sure there's, there's horrific things that are happening. And, and, and sometimes even, even the, you, have you seen the scene where they had these, these Ukrainian sailors that used profanity and they, they had this defiant thing that they said back to the Russian shipmen? Did you guys see this? Where they, 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 they said, we are going to take over your vessel or something like this. And then they, they replied with profanity or something. And they said, you Russian whatevers. Well, they make this out, and these guys, they were so brave. Well, they ended up just submitting to them and just said, okay, you can have the ship, and they went to surrender. But it, for theater, it actually looked really good. You know, it really looked like they were defiant, but at the end of the day, they actually got taken prisoner, and that, from what we understand, what we've been told is they're all still alive today as well. So there's still even some theater, even in stories like this, we're always trying to be careful about what is real and what is just theater. And we like to make things entertaining and there is this me centered my preference centered entertainment factor that even creeps into religion now here's what I want to show you here's what's going on in this text the main thing that creates this atmosphere of theater in this text is the Pharisees is the scribes the teachers of the law okay now, I've got to be careful when I say teachers of the law. That doesn't always mean Pharisees. But let's say teachers of the law in this case. Okay? So what's happening is they have now, Jesus is still coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John are just coming down as well. And they are doing what they always do. They are trying to find a way to entrap the disciples. They're trying to find a way to say this Jesus guy isn't legit. He isn't who all of you say that he is. And here, for once, although the disciples have been doing a lot of miracles, now is their chance to pounce because they can't heal this kid. So it's like they see an opportunity. The Pharisees see an opportunity to say, you're not, see, you're not who you say say you are. He's not who you said he is. You really can't do the things that you thought you could do. Let's just apply that, you know. 
to our culture today sometimes. You see, we always like to put ourselves on the side of Jesus and the disciples. But sometimes we got to ask ourselves if we're a little bit more like the scribes and the Pharisees. That sometimes maybe, you know, we, we'd like people to fit into our mold a little bit more. We'd like people to do it our way a little bit more. We'd like them to think religiously the way we think about things. We don't really care whether somebody gets healed or not as long as they come and they do it our way. And it looks like the way we want it to look like. Come on. Well, tell me we don't see some of this church stuff in the church and in religion today. And rather, instead of using this as an opportunity to build someone up, to see someone's healed, to see someone's faith increase, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are ready to close this thing up. They're ready to show everybody else that, 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 that Jesus is false, you guys are wrong, and we, the, the mighty teachers of the law, have always been right. We know our stuff as mere men, and you do not. They'd rather tear someone apart and the boy remain sick than have some hope, than bring hope. They would rather have it their way and the kingdom of God remain for just a few than open up their doors. But if others do come, come to faith, daggone it, it's going to be on our terms. And it's going to be our way. They would rather create an atmosphere of doubt if it suits their purposes than create an atmosphere of faith. So the teachers of law are challenging the disciples. Now, they're the ones that created the atmosphere, okay? But now the disciples are creating the theater. Because, see, the disciples, they've been there and they've done this before. They've performed miracles before, okay? They've had their taste of ministry. They've done some miraculous things. But guess what's happening? The thing that they've always done before and the, the power and the authority that Jesus gave them, it's not working. So what do you think that the disciples feel the pressure to do in that moment? perform whoa whoa guys now look all these people are looking at us and and we were like doing this in jesus name you know this boy better be getting healed or we're like this whole thing that we're, we've been doing it's all going to be a hoax and now this theater has been created and it doesn't just stop with the disciples see the disciples feel pressure they had this need to perform. They've been there. They've done that. They got the authority from Jesus. They, got, they had this authority, but they forgot where it came from. And the message that we just got to hear in a moment like this about the disciples, that goes for all of, all of you in your moments of application, in your moments of trial, in your moments when you feel the pressure to perform, is to remember who you are. Remember where your power and your authority come from. And remember what it is that you are supposed to be doing with it. Sometimes we feel the pressure to perform because we find ourselves oftentimes out of, outside of what God ever intended for us to be doing. And I don't mean like, I mean that our perspectives have changed. We think that we're doing things to impress people, to perform, to put on some kind of a show, to, to gain expectation, to gain favor among men, and that wasn't necessarily completely the part of what Jesus' gospel was all about. And this was the theater that had been created for the disciples. See, some, there's many leaders today that are getting authority and doing, doing nothing with the authority that they've been get, getting other than puffing themselves up or getting what they want. And it's almost as if they have an authority and leadership to prove others wrong. And that's the extent 
of what they think they're created to do with the platform that they have been given. Mm. Now, this isn't where it ended with the theater. Because we also have this other guy in the scene here. We have the father. The father comes up. Remember, the father comes upon the scene. He says these, I love what Jesus asked him. He asks them first. He says in verse 21, Jesus asked the, the boy's father, it says, how long has he been like this? And from childhood, he answers. So as, as he's asking him that question, this man's taking back to how long this has been happening and how much this has likely held him captive and how severe, how real this disorder that this young man has, okay? All of this is taking place in that moment, okay? Now, so all along this, okay, he asks him this question, and he goes there. He goes to how real this disorder is. And the man says, does what we've heard before, what we call anxious faith. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, where if you can, if you can do anything, Jesus, if you can help him, if there's anything you can do for him, real? And Jesus looks back, if, if I can, if there is anything you can do. And so in this case now, we have a father who is desperate. He's needing the disciples to perform. He's needing Jesus to perform. He's in, I will try anything mode, and still this isn't working. Now, here is a man who's actually desperate and just trying, just hoping that maybe somehow Jesus will heal his son. And Jesus has to have a confrontation of faith with him. Now, there's so much more I could say about him. I'm going to move on next to the boy. Next, there's also a person who is in need of healing. We get so caught up in all the other stuff and forget the ministry that the people right, and forget to minister to the people right in front of us that we are supposed to be helping, the people in need. See, this is where the disciples lost. It wasn't about, it wasn't about impressing the Pharisees. It wasn't about giving the father what, what he wanted. It was about healing the boy. It was about using the, the power and authority that Jesus gave them to bring life, bring healing to this young man. And oftentimes we, we I, I see this all the time, like in, in, in the church and people I connect with it, not, not this church, but Christians as well. Is that we always like to ask this question, where is God taking me? What is God doing, you know, going to be doing in my life for the future? But what about the ministry that he's called you to do right here in the present? See, for the moment where the disciples, for the disciples and the teachers and the teachers of the law as well, it was not about the well-being of this boy at all. It's about proving someone else wrong or right. So we can even get caught up in this garbage when it comes to even our denominational changes. That these are not the primary purposes of ministry. We are called to serve the people that are placed right in front of us. I'm not saying that these things aren't relevant and aren't a part of it. But we can never forget what it is we are supposed to be doing with the privileges we have been given and the power and the authority. And finally, there's Jesus. So all these people are here now to see if Jesus can perform. And I always love this. If you've noticed this pattern about Jesus and crowds, right? What does it say in the text that happens when, what is it sensed as the crowd is starting to come? What do you sense that Jesus is wanting to do? There's starting to be a crowd that is forming. What does Jesus want to do? Yes, he wants to get out of there. Before a bigger crowd comes around. Now, that's not like a, a modern, you know, 
2000s, 1980s evangelist. Oh, there's a crowd coming? Well, you stay right there, young man. Let's just wait till everybody come in here and see this. They're going to love this. This is going to be great. You're going to put this on the news. Y'all come on around. Right? It's not what Jesus is doing. He said, I'm going to heal this guy. I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> and because he understands the skepticism that comes with the crowd. He understands that people are going to see this and they're going to be pursuing him for his hands, for the things that he can do, not for who he is. They're going to be pursuing for the skepticism, for the story, not for the sacrifice. And and many of us still get into faith these days primarily for what God can do for us, the hands of God. And there's many people, even some here in this church, that have been Christians all of their life, and all it's ever been is a pursuit for God's hands, what he can do for them. But the truth of the gospel, the power of the gospel, is getting to know the face Getting to know God for who he is and experiencing his character and experiencing his power. This is why Jesus, as the crowd is coming, he's ready to get out of there. He didn't mind, in in the scripture, Jesus didn't mind teaching the Beatitudes to a crowd. And see, now he's doing things that nobody else has done before. It's like somebody's going to want to market this. People are going to want to follow for the hands and not the face. And they're going to want to stick around because of skepticism. And and this is what entertainment does. It creates a me-centered faith, something I can watch, something I can get out of this and creates a version. And this is the problem. It creates a version of Christianity that we see in our culture today that doesn't cost us anything. See, it was never meant to be that way. When Jesus, we talked about it last week. What did Jesus say? If, you, if anyone wants to follow after me, take up your cross. Remember, it was a cross before a cross. Jesus mentioned a cross before he died upon the cross to his disciples. That this feeling of inferiority, this feeling of shame, this, these sacrifices that you are going to take upon of what it means to follow me. And even then, in those days, people, so there, was, there was this danger of people pursuing Christ in a way that it was never going to cost them anything. That's why he liked the, the inner room. He liked just the 12. He liked the 12 to just blow their mind a little bit and get to know who he was, get to know his character, get to know what he was about and what he wasn't about. So we got all this theater going on, and Jesus comes upon the scene. He said, I'm going to heal this boy. I'm going to change his life. Those that are here are going to see this, but we're going to move on. We're going to heal this young man, and we're going to move on. This is going to be a testimony of what God is doing. Uh, this is going to be a testimony of what God is doing in our midst. See, theater brings forth entertainment, but faith brings forth change. So whenever, whenever we come to the word of God, whenever we come to church, whenever we come to a worship song, you know, however we're doing worship, we do have to ask ourselves the question, do I want to be entertained? Or do I want to be changed? And change doesn't come from the responsibility of God to change me. It comes to the responsibility of first and us being willing and ready to receive what the Lord wants to do in our life. So change is, spiritual change is initiated by each and every one of you here in this room. So the contrast to public theater was private prayer. 
And this is the answer that Jesus is giving them. And it's like, it's, it's very deep, but, it, but you, you, maybe if you're, especially if you're like some of my charismatic friends, it's almost like disappointing when they hear, when they kind of really get deep down into this text and what Jesus is really saying here about this kind can only come out by prayer. Because I, I know, you know, when I've studied this, many people want to make it about, well, he's had this since birth, and this is a deep bondage. And when you have a deep bondage like that, you know, as Matthew's text said, you, ha- you have to fast and pray, okay? But certainly maybe there's some relevance to that, but you see the whole point all around this text of really what Jesus is making. So they talk about prayer and fasting in Matthew. What Jesus is saying is you have to come out of the theater, and you got to be the real thing. You got to remember who you are. Remember where your authority came from. And remember what, what you're supposed to be doing with the gifts that you have been given. You're not here to entertain. You're not here to puff up yourself. You're not here to please people. You're here to bring forth the kingdom of the living God. And see, in Luke, he, when this text comes up, he talks about. He says it's not about the, the, the quantity. He talks about the quality. He talks if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. What you need in this moment is faith the side of the mustard seed, the, the authentic stuff that's going to grow, the real thing, not, not the phony entertainment-driven stuff. If you have the real thing, you'll be able to do these things, these kinds of things. And so what he's explaining to them is that the real thing has a history with the living God that reminds them of who they are, where their authority comes from, and what their authority is for. There's something about, as, as Jesus mentions public, as Jesus mentions prayer, he's pointing to a history with God, a regular pattern of being reminded of who you are, a pattern that, that affects you in your moment of conflict, that in your moment where you feel the temptation to perform, in the moment where you feel like you're, you're here to impress people, rather than love people, because church, those really are two different things, right? So I got to give you a story, and, 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 and Chris, don't put this up yet till, till I get to the end, because I'm going to start talking about this. People are going to be really surprised when you put this movie up, okay? But I just saw what will probably, just this Friday, luck, you call it the Lord, you want to call it luck, well, just, just going to call it what it is, okay? I just saw this movie Friday for the first time. It's going to be in, like, my top five, all right? It's going to be, like, in my top five movies I have ever seen, okay? I did, I'm just going to confess my vulnerability. It had me to tears two different times in the movie. My wife only once, so I went there much, much deeper than she did, okay? Powerful, um, really powerful movie. Now, um, it's, this is about a man who was a minister, um, a man who also, this, this whole movie, The Premises, really has a lot to do with counseling, um, it doesn't mean to be, but it's very much about counseling, very much about learning how to sit with people, very much about learning how to just be present, be in the moment with people. In other words, be the real thing. Be someone who is available and love to be present. Now, this person, now, you all know this person really well. <laughs> you grew up with them. Yeah, you did. You grew up with him. He's probably been in your living room before. And you've seen him on TV. And many people have probably made many jokes about him, because I know I did. And, and, and even SNL had their own little parodies to him that were really funny. But nonetheless, the truth of the man 
was incredibly authentic. That's actually portrayed really well in this film and even, even better in how it was uh, uh, discussed by the actor who played him following the film. So the movie I'm talking about, guys, if you can put that up there, Chris, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. How many of you have seen this yet? Did you cry like I did? All right, nice job. Thank you for being honest. I feel much better now that you said you cried too. Nobody else has seen this yet? All right, you got to watch this. This is, this is I, I, mean, I mean it, one of the top five films I've ever seen. because it's Mainly because it's, it's not, of course, it's not completely 100% true, but it's based on truth, right? Um, that, um, Fred Rogers, uh, who had a relationship with a reporter, um, the names and stuff are changed, but made an impact in his life just by getting to know this guy. Now, you, you got to take a step back and think about what Fred, Fred Rogers did. By the way, he passed away a few years ago. I think it was f- it's somewhere between five and ten years ago. Um, this movie came out, I believe, in 2018 or 2019. Uh, Tom Hanks does the character well, but he, he does it not as much from the mannerisms. He does it really well from the, uh, the heart and the intention of who Fred Rogers was. Um, but you think about what this guy did for a living. Did he go on TV? Was there anything flashy about what he did at all? No. What kind of station? Was it like, you know, a big station that would get lots of viewer ratings like CBS? He'd make a lot of money from commercials or Fox or NBC. You guys remember what station he was always on? Public Broadcasting System. And what was the purpose of his, what was the the, the purpose of what he did? What did it seem like he was trying to accomplish? I'm just curious to hear what you guys would say. What was he trying to accomplish with what he did for so many years? What's that? Yeah. To bond, to connect with children. Now through, now through the television, right? Through the television. Any, anybody else? Be a good neighbor. Be a good neighbor. Teach us all how to be a good neighbor. See, there's something really powerful about what was going on, about just learning to sit and be fully present with people. Now, that's what he did in his show. That's what he did with many of you if you ever watched his shows when you were a kid. But that's also what he does with this person in this film and actually helps him unpack many different things in his life without, without much more intentionality other than just being the real thing, being present with no other hidden agenda. And church, that's what Jesus is doing in this text. And this is what we see with this man, what this man did with much of his life. By the way, how many of you guys all heard that he's a Navy SEAL? You heard that? Yeah, it wasn't true. <laughs> he debunks it. They actually debunk that in the movies. I don't know basically where that rumor came from. He was never a Navy SEAL. But, 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 so they, they really do try to be uh, real and true to the character in here. But I want to just give you a couple quotes here that are relevant. I could, man, I was just going over all of his, a lot of his quotes, and I was just sitting here with my mouth dropped, like, wow, this is so much the hand of God. Now, he's a different kind of evangelist, right? You know, Rogers wasn't, you, you, many, most people never knew he was an ordained minister, but you start to see some of his writings, you start to see what he was about, he was all about Jesus. Now, but he, the, the reason why he had so much respect, and Tom Hanks said this, because he wasn't about shoving anything down people's throat, he wanted to be the real thing. And if he was the real thing, he was true love and he was true kindness, they would know, they would begin to understand where it came from. This is what love looks like. This is what kindness looks like. This is what being fully present uh, with someone looks like. 
And you guys know, I mean, most of us thought of, as we got a little bit older, as we got a little bit cooler, right? We all thought of this guy as one of the biggest dorks in the world. He didn't care. <laughs> he didn't care what you think about him. He wasn't here to impress you. He was here to make an impact in this world. And an impact, boy, he sure did. An impact he sure did in, in the homes of many of us. And, and, and we see just, uh, if, you look at, if you watch this movie, I promise you won't be disappointed. And you actually walk away empowered about what it is we're called to do in such a time as this. Here's just a couple quotes that he used in, in his movie. He says, we get so wrapped up in numbers in our society. The most important thing is that we are able to be one-to-one. You and I with each other at the moment. If we can be present to the moment with the person that we happen to be with, that is what is important. And last, and this is basically the theme of our message, more than anything else, is the authority that the disciples got in this text, the authority and the the, the truth of the gospel that you have been given. You know, whether we would call it fame or anything, but I want us to recognize we've been given something. It's not just that we've been given something to go get man's approval. We've been given something powerful to do something with it. And here's what Mr. Rogers, or Fred Rogers said when he was asked about fame, what do you think about the fame that you've achieved? And he said, fame is a four-letter word like tape or Zoom or face or pain or life or love. But what ultimately matters is what we do with it. That's a good word. So to end the message before we pray, I don't really think of any other way I could conclude by saying this. It's such a good feeling to know you're alive. It's such a happy feeling. You're growing inside. And when you wake up ready to say, I think I'll make a snappy new day. It's such a good feeling, a very good feeling. The feeling you know that I'll be back when the day is new. And I'll have more ideas for you. And you'll have things you want to talk about. And I will, too. (laughs) Some of you remember that song way, way, way back. Way, way back in your childhood memory. But we must be called and reminded to learn how to be fully present to recognize the authority that we have been given by the living God, to be used in such a time as this, to be the real thing, and to not, to, to, to not live. I know that so much of what we live in is the theater. We can't, can't live in this, this Christian theater at times we created. Let's be reminded of what our purpose is, who we are here for, where our authority comes from, and what we are called to do with it. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Lord, you... Your word is so much more powerful, Lord, than the things of this world. See, there is a pattern and there is a style that that, that we see our culture uh, uh, trickling down in these days. And we know in our deep, in our inmost beings, that something in it just isn't right. And, Lord, we sense your still, small voice calling us to a better way. Showing us a better way of kindness showing us a better way of love, showing us a better way of being fully present with those in front of us that need to be ministered to, rather than impressing others that, that, that are auxiliary and puffing ourselves up. Lord, may we have a history with you so that we can be yours 
And we will understand what it means in our moments of faith that this kind, this work, this stuff we are called to do, we can only do by having a history of prayer, a history of being in the presence of the living God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.